Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. And I hope you enjoy this new show, whether you're viewing it on the internet or listening to a podcast version of the episode. I do want to thank you for being part of my audience. You can also find links to videos or podcasts on MiamiGhostChronicles.com as well as where you can submit your story about any eerie experiences you've had, which I would love to hear about. Just go to the Submit Your Story tab. Please subscribe to our channel so that you receive notification of when we release a new show. And find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is where I usually live stream and where I give you a behind-the-scenes look at locations where new episodes are being filmed at, I also tell you about all the interesting guests that will be appearing soon on Stories of the Supernatural. I hope you enjoy the show, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi everybody, this is Marlene with my Ghost Chronicle Stories of the Supernatural, and today I am super excited because of the guests that I have. Now, this lady, her name is Carol Matsumoto, and she's an author, but, okay, she's not only an author. She, well, let's put it this way. She's an author about a place that she has lived in since 1994. And the title of the book is called The Ghost of Captain Grant's Inn, which is, this is, an inn that she uh, runs, but at the same time she lives there. Now, we're going to get into all of that, but you're going to see that because of the length of time that she's been there, obviously uh, she's going to talk about, you know, the miracles that occurred that helped her to restore this inn. You're going to see this is a very old inn. Uh, Also about the spirits, uh, talking to the spirits that, that occupy that are, you know, that are still there. And then, you know, finally also we're going to get into the questions of, you know, the science behind, you know, for example, why can we photograph certain ghosts or spirits, but then if you look with your naked eye, you can't see them. And I'm sure a lot of you have heard of that phenomena uh, as far as, you know, people, for example, that will snap a picture. And then it's not only till later on that when they take a look that they realize that they actually captured something that was paranormal in nature. But anyway, how are you doing today, Carol? I am doing very good. Thank you. No, thank you. Um, and what I want to do, Carol, is I'm going to ask you what I ask all my guests. Obviously, yes, you, you you bought the inn and you've been there for the last 25 years. But prior to this, did you ever have an experience with the paranormal as a child or before you got there? I've had experiences throughout my life. Okay. But the the first experience I have... It's written in my book, but it, it's paranormal, but it's otherworldly. Okay. Um, I, I grew up in North Dakota, mm-hmm. in, in northern North Dakota, and my family had traveled to Fargo to see uh, relatives, and then at night we were driving home. If you've never driven through that part of the country at night, it's dark. And this was in 1949. Wow. So from Fargo to Grand Forks, 70 miles of pitch black road. Okay. 
So we left the lights of Fargo and something flew out of the sky, landed behind the car. It was a huge red ball of fire. But if it wasn't fire, it was flickering red lights. I'm not sure which. Okay. And it followed us until we got to the light of Grand Forks. It followed now, my mother you guys? was hysterical. Huh? It followed you guys? It followed us for, for I would say, probably oh. 60 miles. Oh, my And my, yeah, it, the whole incident is written about in the book, but eventually it came up beside the car. And I remember the whole thing like it was yesterday, you know, these uh, snapshot in time. And you never forget, I was only four oh, yeah. years old. And. I, I remember not being, I remember being itchy because my dad's car was, the seats were in a wall. And my mother being hysterical, my dad trying to calm her down. And the next day my dad told us to never, ever, ever talk about this to anybody because we would be laughed at in town yes. and made fun of. And uh, we never did. But when he came, I brought him out here uh, when he was 75 years old. I flew out to uh, North Dakota, and I picked up my dad. We came out here, and I decided to ask him. I thought this was never talked about, and I remember this, and this is true. So we're sitting in my dining room, and... I said, Dad, do you remember when we traveled from Florida to Grand Forks and a red ball of fire followed us? And he just looked at me and he just he just stared and he said, I can't believe you remember that. I just can't believe it. Oh my God. <laughs> so, and you know what? It's just that he, those were the times, unfortunately, I hate to say it, where, yeah. People didn't want to talk about those things. No, no. But after that, I had unexplainable things happen to me from that time forward. Okay. And I didn't talk much about them, except that in 1968, I lived in a house in Minnesota that was very haunted. Okay. Uh, Every. I could hardly even get a babysitter because everybody knew it was haunted. The man, oh the woman God. I bought it from, her uh-huh. husband died in his 40s from uh, a motorcycle accident. And that was the first ghost that I actually had appear right in front of me. Not, you look to the side and you see something? Uh-uh. This guy was straight on in front of me. And I just, I, I, my eyes got wide, my mouth dropped open. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you, you found out about this after you bought the house? Like when you were babysitters, nobody wanted to babysit no, for you? No, 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 I, no. I, yeah, I found out about the haunting afterwards. Oh, but okay, okay. I bought, now I, I understand. I okay. bought it from the widow. <laughs> and, uh, and then we bought another house. Four houses down from there, we bought a piece of property and built a really nice house. And there we had something. Okay. 
I'm not sure what, that it was not good. It was not on the good side of the universe. And I had a neighbor across the street to help me get rid of it. And she was a Mormon. So this was all very... <laughs> okay, right, yeah, it's like... And did you ever find out what the source of that was, whatever was going on there at that location? No, I have no idea. Sometimes it's like you really don't no want to know either. I hate to say it, but... We, we had storms. And when I say we, I mean my two sons, my daughter, my husband, and myself. We had storms, but okay. none of our neighbors did. And the last storm, when I went and talked to her, three of our trees in our yard were pulled out of the ground and laid down on top of our deck. What? And nobody else had a storm. Nobody. That's scary. That's really scary. <laughs> well, when I bought the property, I was, uh, when I bought the property, I went out to the back. And um, it, it was never cleared. It was never, that property wasn't used since the time of uh, the Indians. Okay. Okay, so I go down to the back of the property, which is about 250 feet from the road. Okay. And there, under everything, is a round stone circle. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Because I was about to say that. It looks like something's going on with the land. Yeah. Something uh. went on with that land. So, but I never did anything about that. I never watched any shows on the paranormal. In fact, the paranormal at that time... Uh, was not as big as it is now. People just uh, avoided the subject. So, wow, that is yeah. in. So, did you continue to have experiences there like that? Well, that's no, it stopped. Uh, I went to see my friend Esther across the street. Okay, uh, my Mormon friend. Uh-huh. And she said, I know what's wrong. I just know what's wrong. And I <clears throat> I said, okay. Uh, she said, follow me. Well, I always visited her, and she called me up, and I'd go over and have coffee with her, and we talked for a long period of time. But she never came to my house. It was, she just never seemed to have time. So... She walks across the street, up my stairs, down to the end of the hall, and opens up a hallway closet that she has never seen, um, and opens the door and starts throwing everything out of the closet. Oh, my God, Carol. And I'm just standing. She's sitting down on the floor, and I'm standing. And... There's a Ouija board. What? She said, this is your problem. Oh she said, this my. is your problem. So oh. I, I said, where'd that come from? I had no idea that we had a Ouija board in the house at all. And she said, follow me. We truck back over across the street to her house. She has a fireplace. 
Now, this is the summer, so it's warm outside. It's just, we're going to break this thing and we're going to start a fire. And it's a wood-burning fireplace, and so we burnt it up. And that was the last of the storms and the last of the bad things that happened at that house. So how did she, I mean, I imagine you must have been like, what is going on? Yeah, I asked her, I said, how did you know she, that was there? She said, I don't know. All of a sudden, I knew it was there. Wow. Uh, and she wasn't, you know, she was the follower of her. And she just, that, that like, was way out of her comfort zone, and she did that. I, and I, I still don't understand it. So, I can't imagine you and this, and that was it. Once you guys did away with the Ouija board, that was it. Did you? That was it. The Ouija board was gone. So, who who do you think was, was using it? The prior owners or who you bought it from or, or you I, don't know? I talked to my daughter about it years later. Uh-huh. She said, yeah, I bought it. They used it once, her and her friends, but they didn't like it. Did something. I don't know what it did. But they just stuck it down there underneath everything in that closet. Wow. But you know what? Yeah. But you're describing those things with the storms and the trees. That's <laughs> okay. This is not like, oh, I hear like a rapping on the door or, you know, somebody walking down the stairs. That's that's really intense what you were describing there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've had, I, I guess it is. I, I think of myself as an average person, not somebody that is super gifted, but I, I think I've been followed ever since that first mm-hmm. encounter I had when I was four. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how that connects with this, but, and what I've experienced at Captain Grass is way beyond any of that. Just way beyond. And you know what? A lot of times, you know, when you are, you know, you have that ability either as a medium or as a psychic or as both. Yeah, you can go to certain places. What, number one, either things pick up because you amplify, they, they want to communicate with you or you can just see it, hear it. Or sometimes you'll even have them kind of follow you around a little bit because they're saying, you know what? She can see me or she can hear me. And you'll pick up what I call hitchhikers just because of your abilities. Well, Captain Grant, uh, I had someone, we've had several, well, several, we've had dozens of uh, paranormal groups come and visit. Okay. And we had scientific paranormal which is an offshoot of um, ghost hunters. Mm-hmm. And they've been with us twice. Well, okay, so enough of that. A week after they were here the last time, this family came from Newland, Connecticut, uh, which is on the shore up to Captain Grant's, which is about nine miles away. And we're sitting at the table, and she said, I can talk to spirits. So I thought, well, the table's full. 
can you please give us a demonstration? So she said, well, I do it through rods, which are not looked at very much for being authentic, but believe me, they are. Oh, okay. <laughs> she, so after she was doing a demonstration, she went up there, got the rods, brought them down. Every single person at the table tried them, and they didn't work. And I thought, she told her they will work for me. And she handed them to me. Okay. And they, and I'm, I am solid on the table with my hands against each other, and I'm not moving a muscle. I'm just terrified. And these rods go around like helicopter blades. Zoom, 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 until I drop them. And then I pick them up, and they, they move far. Well, she sent me a pair as a gift, and I had a lot of religious conflict with all of that. Okay. But what I have learned from the spirit world through this is just amazing. It's amazing. And my husband and I have conducted many experiments. Okay. Um, and uh, but we're both, you know, A-type personalities and said, okay, prove it to me. And some of the things I've learned absolutely cannot be proven in the logical world that we live in. There's another world out there, another mm-hmm. world where we all go. Yeah. So I guess the question about before you got to the inn, you had already had more than quite a few brushes with the after the the the, the, the afterlife, you know, folks, the the spirits, and so. And I want to get into Carol, what you know you mentioned to me before we started recording was what happened, you know, as far as that we were talking about kismet, how you were meant to become the owner and run this location. How did that happen? Well, uh, okay, I bought Captain Grass. Now, this is the early 1990s, so prices were cheaper. And the price was $149,000. I was a divorced woman. Mm-hmm. I couldn't afford that. And I looked at it, but he couldn't sell it. And he rented it to people that completely trashed it, which oh. brought the value way down. What a shame. And then, yeah, a shame. In 1993, he dropped the price to 89000 And then a sign went up, uh, bargain. And I thought, I'm going to try and get this. So I, I, I made an appointment to go over and look at it. And the real estate agent said, you got to give her a week to clear a pass so you can get through the house because you can't get through the house right now. So uh, that happened. I went through. I made an offer of seventy thousand. Okay. And then they made an offer. They wanted to buy it through him mm-hmm. of eighty-five thousand. And the real estate agent came back to me and said, "If you go to eighty-four, you've got the house. Not eighty-four, but seventy-four, you've got the house. You won't sell it to them." And they stopped paying rent. This was October of 93. 
and then they wouldn't leave rent. And he finally got rid of them, and in February, on the 13th, of, on a Friday, mm-hmm. I signed the papers and got the house. Now, I am not a rich woman. I left that closing with $112 from the bank and a $200,000 renovation phase to me. Wow. After because the wall collapsed, the, the roof blew off. It, it was in terrible, terrible shape. At that point, how old was it already, the building? How long? Oh, my had... gosh. Let me say it was 1754. Wow, yeah. <laughs> and then on top of that, like you said, just a wear and tear, and especially towards... Like you were saying that nobody took nobody took care of it. Right, exactly. And when something is over two hundred years old, you better be putting some money into it. Oh yeah. Any anyway, uh, then so I got the house. I got one hundred and twelve dollars in the bank, and my ex-husband, who had never paid child support except for once lived in Minnesota and had a court judgment against him. And it was a it was not a nice we're going our separate ways divorce. It was a mm-hmm. bit nastier than that. Right. And I just thought he was a, a small time contractor, so I thought I'd call him. And so I did I called him. And he said to me I got I had a dream. Two nights ago from Jesus Christ, and he told me that you were going to call him. I have to do whatever you say. What? Yes, I know I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. It's in the book, and I had to get a release from him, who's now married to somebody else who didn't really want him to get a release. For him right. That. that is incredible, Carol. <laughs> I was just shocked, but he came on what? And uh, we became friends. He re- he got back his relationship with his two oldest children, um, and and he helped me. And then he left and went back to Minnesota. My children have a huge stone walkway in the front of the yard, built from the back solar wall. Mm-hmm. And my daughter and I. And my son laid almost all of it. We did work. I went to work. Uh, came home, worked four more hours on the place, and I opened with two bedrooms after 15 months. But you you wouldn't believe how things happened. It was just, oh, you want me to tell you one of the miracles? Yeah, absolutely. I want to hear that. What happened? Was I mean this is okay. that was incredible that story about. What happened with your with your children's oh, dad? Oh, is that incredible? I mean, but it's clear. This is what happened. And I, I'm going to tell you the story that I can prove. Absolutely prove. Uh, if you want to get a well done in Florida, how long does it take you to get one? A well? Well, it's yes. down here. It depends. We're in South Florida. Well, usually it's not that complicated. South Florida, because down here we have that limestone. But you know, in other words, you need somebody that that does know what they're, you know, what they're doing. And you and how know, long? How long would it take to order? I want to say maybe one? the most a couple of days, the most, if that much. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. Okay. 
here in Connecticut, eight weeks. Why? We were in a drought. There are not that many well companies. Oh. And my well went dry. And it was the week before uh, Memorial Weekend. Oh, right before the summer. And we only rented our rooms that weekend and the following weekend. We only had four rooms at that time. We had the other two rented out, and at breakfast time, our guests came downstairs with towels on their head and they couldn't finish the shower because our 200-year-old well went belly up. Oh. The Carol, my God. That's... Yeah. I mean, think about it. That's bad enough for yourself, but when you have guests, that's that's got to be difficult. Yeah, and um, we have these two casinos that are the largest in the Americas, called Foxwoods and Mohegan Sun. Well, that time we didn't have Mohegan Sun, but we had Foxwoods, and we were short 3,500 rooms for lodging. So we were full, and we had no water, and if we there was no chance we could find another place for our guests. It was impossible. There was nothing available except sitting in your car or on a park bench. So my my current husband, who is named the same name as my first husband, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> so. He calls me on Monday morning because he's still working on the other side of the state. And he said, what are we going to do? I said, oh, we could bring in a, 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 a charger full of water. Yeah, a, a semi-full of water. We could backfill the well. We could run water directly into the house from it. You know, from a tanker. I, I don't know what we're going to do. He says, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to pray to St. Anthony. I'm Catholic. That, that's funny. Anyway. <laughs> hopeless so, causes. That sounds like a hopeless cause to me right there. <laughs> so I'm looking out the dining room window towards the driveway, and I said, my mouth drops open. I said, Ted, you wouldn't believe what's here. And it was, it was uh, a well rig. A well rig looks like no other. There's no other material. It looks like don't a well rig. So he said, "Boss, don't let him get away." <laughs> so I run out and uh, ask him why they're here, and they said, "Well, we're here to put in your well. We have a permit and a drawing of the property. We know where it's going. Can you? Don't you want the well?" I said, "Oh, oh, no, 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 no! I want the well." They tell me how much I'm paying. So. Uh, I, he said, well, look at your contract. I said, I can't find it. I'm really, really sorry, but I can't find it. And I knew I didn't have a contract. And you're like, well, well, like... <laughs> <laughs> So I said, call the office, the main office. I want a well. So 15 minutes later, they come in and the guy says, we don't know how this happened, but nobody's ever talked to you. <laughs> And we have no contract. Do you want well? And you're like, oh. And, yeah, that, what would you call that? Coincidence? Oh, God, no. No. 
That's incredible. Isn't that incredible? And that happened over and over again. When I needed something, it would appear. Let me tell you something, that right there, that's like a made-to-order. That's difficult to dismiss as coincidence. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) And I can prove it because of when we got the well. Nobody gets a well the same day they sign a contract. Wow. Especially up here. They're just yeah, that's what that just don't happen. Saying. Yeah, yeah. So that was one of the miracles. But um, now Captain Grants is experiencing something else, and I want the word to get out there on this. Okay. And Captain Grants currently has over two hundred spirits on. Okay. Out. And but we're not the only we're not the only ones. There are places like this throughout the entire world. Okay. There are what the good spirits and the bad spirits, mm-hmm. and what they have told me when I communicate with them is that they're waiting for a spiritual war. Really, that's interesting. That's very interesting. It, and I've talked to many um, psychics, and every single one I've talked to has said the same thing. Yes, but we don't talk about that. It's one of those. So you know, let me one, ask one you: the the original owners, or the ones that built that structure, are they there in spirit? Yeah. Um. I I don't know. Okay. I don't I don't know. I and I should look. I've got the ability to find out who they are because there's been a national register you know, uh, it's on the National Register of Historic Places and mm-hmm. on the state register and we had a survey done and I've got a huge, one of these huge plot maps that shows everybody that's ever been here. I know everybody, but I don't know who built the house for sure. I think it was Captain Grant, and maybe it was him. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the first owners. Okay. But I have a story about the first owners. I'm, I'm probably boring you by now. No, 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 Am you're I? not. Absolutely not. Go with that story. What was what was that story about the owner? Okay. Okay. Uh, in 1703, Samuel Whipple purchased the property from another farmer uh, and he purchased a hundred acres of land which for New England is quite a bit of land yes and I thought he would have been a farmer mm-hmm okay and he had a son named Samuel not Samuel Daniel and I talked to Daniel quite often he's the spirit that I converse with the most okay and Daniel talk- I asked Daniel, um, was your fa- father a farmer? He said no. And I had been told, oh, maybe 30 years ago, that the house I currently live in in the 1600s, the front of it was um, where they would, uh, a blacksmith shop. So, I asked Daniel, thinking I know that part of the history, was he a blacksmith? 
And he said yes, and I asked him to point the rods where the shop was, and that's where they went. And okay. Daniel told me he died in his 20s from an accident in that shop. And I know that there were two big accidents. The wood beams in that particular room where the forge was, uh, a, if you don't drill, you can't put a nail into them. They're so hard. There's like rock. Anyway, so I'm believing, okay, he had uh, salmon hair. Daniel died in his 20s, and it was from an accident. Okay. I have no proof of any of that. Okay. So about a year before I published the book, this family came from the Midwest, and they were Whipples. And I've had Whipples here oh, probably a couple times. So now I thought, I've, I've got to find out if this is true. So I asked them, I said, was Daniel Farmer? And they said, oh, no, 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 he wasn't a farmer. He uh, was a blacksmith. I said, really? I said, wow. do you know about a son named Daniel? And they, they, they said on the front of, yes, he died in an accident in the shop in his 20s. Wow. So everything I learned was the truth. So, um, and the truth is what I'm seeking. I could, you know, you, you don't see them. You don't know if you're getting truth or not. Right, right, right. So this was, it sounds almost like um, partially you, kind of sounds like you were able to validate part of it but I know what you're saying there's a lot of it that you kind of have to go on how you feel about it like you know does this feel yeah, right and, and, and I'm basically a thinker and a scientist in origin and going how I feel about it I want to prove it one way or the other and I have proven so many things at least to myself right so exactly that, that it, it, other yeah that the world after we die exists. Uh, those that have died do not want to come back. Okay. They like it where they are. Um. And and we can talk to them if we would just pay attention to them. Right, and but, and and I think sometimes a lot of it has to do with where they're at i think that a lot of them once they make their peace like you said they 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 want to do their own thing you know and of course you know depending on who's over here wanting to talk to them and then there's others that you know that typical thing that we think of the the person with the unfinished business whatever it might be because you know as human beings we're all different uh you know, what might seem really unimportant to you, to that person or that personality was really important. And sometimes it does bind them and where they, they either need to clear it up. Sometimes it's the circumstances of their deaths. Uh, it, it could be a whole host of things. Uh, yes, but anyway, keep going, Carol, to... as far as, because it sounds like you, you've, you've got like a really good connection there as far as that, 
what goes on in the spirit world. Well, I agree with everything you've just said. Everything. Um, the spirits that are here in the realm where we can contact them are spirits with unfinished business. So let me ask you something. The um, this was was this like the was the contact that you had with this with this spirit was this the first one that you really felt like okay in other words at this point you really didn't have a clue as as to how many spirits eventually you were going to be come in contact with there is what it sounds like no daniel was not the first the first was mercy adelaide grant but mercy adelaide grant was a very powerful spirit she was Captain Grant's wife, and she's the only spirit that has sat me on my butt. Um, and I mean that literally, sat me on my butt while I'm using my rods and talking to people, and all my energy is drained, and I just go, <gasps> and I fall down. Now, she's not here anymore. She, the other spirits that are here tell me she's been reincarnated about a year and a half ago. Really? They told you this? Holy, yes. that is incredible. That is incredible. And let me ask you, do you, do you feel that difference after, or was it a confirmation when you received that, that, that she's moved on and reincarnated in another body? Uh, or is this... Oh, I, 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 I tell you, I felt sad. I mean, I felt good for her. But then I felt really sad. I lost my my main spirit. Um, they're like real people to me at this point in time, although they're not real people. They're spirits. I call them souls. They're spirits and souls. And if they haven't completed their mission, they get reincarnated. And, and that's the fact. So I try to find out what they're going to be reincarnated for. Now, Daniel, uh, he created a child with a woman that was married to another man. So he is going to eventually be reincarnated as well. So... I, I am extremely curious person, and when I get to one question and that's answered, then another question comes up. Well, what about this? So that is where I go. I I don't do a lot with the shows that are on TV. We've been on several of them. Uh, the best one was Psychic Kids, Children of the Paranormal. That was really, really good. Um, but I, I do my own thing. So I'm kind of like a lone wolf out here. But, and I'm not sure why this, this was given to me, this ability to talk with them. Let let me ask you, this is so interesting, though, what you're saying, that they're basically, they're giving you this communication, 
you know that they're they're going on they're they're moving on they're incarnating into another body let me ask you do they ever tell you why let's say now the timing or has something changed for them that now they could do that uh because that is that's i love that that because it's almost like um you know that you can have that type of communication that they are in other words i guess my question is were they just there because they just wanted to be there was there something that was holding them back and now they're ready to go on um did they ever tell you about that yes um the spirits if they haven't completed their mission from god their stated mission that they were supposed to complete they will stay in the realm that they are in where we can communicate with them. God chooses when they go on and who they will become. The choice is not up to them at all. So I think, let's say that you're a white man who hates black people and is very prejudiced. You might come back as a black person and feel what that was like, you know, that sort of thing. Right, exactly. It's because that you have... Yeah, that is um, that's fascinating to be honest with you because we hear sometimes of you know people that have communications with ghost spirits, people that live there, whatever, whatever the case might be, whether it's a tormented spirit or somebody that used to live there, the owner, and they're just there because they have a feeling of ownership, and and usually you hear the story where at some point maybe they decide to go on their way, but that's it, you know. Even if they communicate with somebody that's there, if they're able to cross them over. That's it. They go on to whatever awaits for them on the other side. But in this case, yeah. they're telling you, they're, they're communicating to you and telling you, okay, now not only am I ready to move on, I'm ready to incarnate again. And they have incredible. no choice in the incarnation. That's what they tell me. Wow. They have, they have no choice. No choice where they go. And they try to get it right. Uh, the the ghost that I talked to, uh, well, this was a live interview with someone that was here. And her life went back to 3,000 times before the birth of Christ. And uh, she was an Egyptian. And she just got reborn over and over and over and over again. Right. Okay. And now I get people at the same table. I had her best friend who was a new soul. She had never lived another life. That is more rare. Most people have lived another life. But every once in a while I run into somebody that is a new soul. And if they're a new soul, I tell them, I ask the spirit, is she doing what she's supposed to be doing, what God told her she's supposed to be doing, and it's either yes or no. And so then we go from there. Well, what is it she's supposed to be doing? And we look at family, at religion, at job, at teaching, at purpose. We look at lots of different things to see if we can't figure it out to lead them in the right direction. Right, right. Well, because let me, it sounds almost like the spirit of this of this lady spirit she was with you for what for how how long before she moved on 
Oh my gosh. Uh, let me, uh, 20 years. That's what I was going to say. I, because when you said I was sad, I was like that, that, that she's like, you know, it's hard. It's, uh, when I do this, it's, it's hard on me personally because this is going to sound really weird, but I talk to these spirits and I learn so much. If I get to trust someone, like them, and then they're gone. And it's almost like a death. Right, because, yeah, your perspective on it is totally different. You're looking at it from the, 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 the you know, in a way, the relationship so the, you develop with them, you know, you know it's, yeah. yeah, like, and you live there, and they, and, um, well, have, have at any time, any of these, while they were there, have they ever warned you of something either, you know, some type of danger, something that was going to happen with a property, anything like that? Uh, yes. What happened? Um, uh, well, we live in the house next door, which is Avery House. And I was walking over to, we call it the big house, which is Captain Grant's. Okay. And all of a sudden, I just stop. And I look at this tree, which is an apple tree. There's two trees. Two trees came together and produce a different tree. It's a really weird tree. Okay. And I just looked at it and Ted's car was parked under it. So I went into the house and I said, Ted, I want you to go and move your car because I think that tree is going to fall down on top of it. He looked at me and Buddy went and moved it and 10 minutes later it was like crack, boom, donkey the tree. So, and what did you, what was the first, what, what, what did you think of when this happened, Carol? Oh, holy cow, wow. I know, that's wow. like way out there. It's way out there. And, um, yeah. So I am. I just hope that I am living the life that I'm supposed to be living and giving the message that I'm supposed to be giving, and I think I am. So, and let me ask you. And I'm curious. Um, even though it sounds like you really have good lines of, did they ever come to you like in dream time, or did you have certain dreams? Like, I want to say that gave you more of a. I want to say of a, in other words, did you ever have any dreams where you actually dreamed like, like you were seeing things in their time when they were alive? You see what I'm saying? Almost like a time travel kind of scenario where you saw them, but against the background of how, what, what their lives were like when they were alive. But in a way you kind of know, like, this is this spirit. I no, I haven't. I haven't had that. Okay. But I 
have dreams that I think are from another life that I lived. Okay. And what, I think at, okay. I think at one time I fell off a cliff. Okay. And was killed, or I fell from a tall building and was killed, because I have that dream over and over again. You and do. It's disturbing. And you've had and, it, what, like you've had it all your life or after a certain time? No, no. No, I've just had it since I bought Captain Grant. Okay. Okay. So, um... And what, what, I guess my question is, what makes you think that that dream that you're having is basically your prior lifetime? Was it because of how often you've had it or how you feel when you have it or, or Yeah, what? I think it's when I when I have it. I also am terrified of edges. You're terrified of what? Edges. E-D-G-E-S. Okay. If I stand on a table, really? I can't move towards the side at all. I just get panicky. I'm just frozen. That I is... can crawl up a ladder. I painted the whole place myself when I bought it. Right. And it, the ladder went up 33 feet. And I'm fine. Step on a roof, not in your lifetime. I would not do it. I, and we, we've been on trips where uh, we've been up in mountains and there are no guardrails. Mm-hmm. And my heart just pounds. I'm so scared. I'm going to go over the cliff. But I have dreams about this, and I have dreams about being lost Okay. and, and being persecuted, and it has nothing to do with where I come from or where, where I grew up with, so I think it is me. So, and in other words, it. it's not high. that is so... It's not height, it, and obviously this is a phobia because you have you never had any experiences in this lifetime that you could say no. you know what I had this bad accident or near bad accident and I know why you know because that happens so this is like a phobia that you've never been able to explain never. why you've behaved never that way. been able to explain it at all and hmm. um, I ha- I've had a lot of college in psychology okay and um when when i look at dreams i look at your dreams i don't when people write books about dreams and they say well this means that right. no this means that to them exactly the symbology is different for each person each person yeah absolutely so i look at only my own my own, only mm-hmm. what I dream yes. and what has to do with my past. Exactly, because, right, what different things di- mean different things to people, and that's the mind speaks to us in symbols. That's how sometimes that's right. it's convoluted when you have dreams. You know, your subconscious doesn't spell it out sometimes, depending on what it, where it what the source is. Yeah, it'll, it's yeah. kind of weird the yeah. way it tries to communicate with you. But when you have something like what you said, what you're describing, which is really repetitive, and in actual, in actuality, you have that phobia because that's a phobia. But like, but what you said, you went and you painted this whole place on a ladder. 
Wow. Well, that's different. That's <sighs> not an edge. I went up. I went up thirty-three feet on a ladder. That's a high ladder. Yes. That's a very and high ladder. I did not feel any fear, but if you put me on a table in a dining room that has an edge, I could barely stand it. Wow. Yeah, it is. So I've looked at that, and the spirits told me that I have ha- I'm in my fourth lifetime. They're also telling me that I'm doing what I was meant to be doing. Okay. And I think that has to do with the messages I pass on through my books, through my interviews, mm-hmm. um, through what I say to people. I used to be afraid, so afraid to say anything to anybody. Well, you're going to think I'm strange, I'm schizophrenic, right. I'm you, na- you name it, but I'm not. Um, I know I'm not. I'm just a normal person who was given a gift, and sometimes a gift is a burden. Yeah, it is. It can be. It can can be if, especially, um, sometimes when either you feel or see or, or something, something that's disagreeable. Yeah. But it sounds, though, Carol, like for you overall, though, especially after you've been there, that it's been a very positive experience. Yes, it has. It has. This whole thing has. Um, the B&B, every, everything has just been, uh, I, I got my husband through buying the house. I and wonderful man. I have made so many friends and my life is full and I love what I'm doing and uh, I just look at the future. Well, you know what? And and I'm glad you mentioned it because a lot of times and you know, as far as synchronicity it's almost like when things are when you, in other words, when you're heading in the right direction what's good for you or best for you, doors open up. Even sometimes when it seems like, you know, like maybe when you try to think of how, you think of all these obstacles, but then doors open, you know, that saying you're at the right place at the right time, you know, you meet the right person or you get the right phone call, things like that, doors open up for you. It's almost like when you're on the right path, everything flows in your direction. Whereas when something's not really meant for you, you know, this is when you... It's almost like you're battling a headwind. And by this, you have to be a little bit careful because, you know, you can't give up either. You know, if you if you have a little bit of resistance towards something, it's not like throw up your hands and give up. But, yeah, sometimes it's a good sign that you're on the right path when things just uh, evolve to, to and, and like you said, and a lot of it, you take it on faith because of how you feel like, I know this is right for me. But sometimes a lot of people lose that ability or they, they don't trust their own inner gut feeling even if in other words your your insights telling you something but you're thinking how could that be good for me or how's that going to happen or how's that going to work out um you know I, like, I don't go there much I, I don't go there much to how's this going to work out right exactly you don't no- right you don't try to analyze it over, you know, like that how 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 it's like yeah 
That's where people end up short. Yes. You have to have all the answers up front. Mm-hmm. You're not going anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, yeah. that, yeah, I, I agree that a lot of people, if they cannot uh, get the, those answers up front, they think, oh, forget it, or that's going to be too hard, or forget that, that that's never going to happen. Uh, and like I said, sometimes when you're on at the when it's the right thing for you, doors open up that you would never know about unless you started the process of whatever it is. Uh, you know, just like what you were talking about as, as what happened when you decided that, you know, you purchased this property despite all the things that you knew that you had to, you know, it was a, an old building and you had, you knew that it was going to need so much work uh, but, and he, here you are, what, 24 years that. later? I just believed I can do this. It's going to happen. Right. Exactly. And I'm sure, let me ask you just out of curiosity, how long did it take you? Uh, because it sounds like there was a lot of restoring to do. How long did that take for you to, to complete? Oh, it's never completed. But to get open and running took 15 months. Okay. In other words, it was, that, that's the thing where you, you have to like wake up every day and say, now I got to, yeah, it's a project. All right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And I was fired two weeks. Okay. And uh, Carol, yes. I mean, because that's what I'm saying. That's, you know. That's what I'm saying. It's not that it's not. There's no challenges or no hard work. There is, but it sounds like you knew all along from the beginning that this was the right thing for you to do. I think it was my destiny. I really right. do. Right. And, and I'm so glad because it is such a happy place, and people love it here. And my husband and I love being here. It just. It was what was meant to be. It really was. Is. Let me ask you. You mentioned also earlier that because you're you're that by not not only is is the end, but that you have also a couple of um, smaller town cemeteries or graveyards close by to to your location, right? Well, we have the two. Okay. We have uh, the one in back of the house dating to the mid 1600s. The one across the street, dating to the 1800s, mm-hmm. and then a mile and a half down the road uh, is a property that was taken from the Indians. Okay. Now they have gotten it back, Okay. and there is a Jewish cemetery there that uh, nobody would give them a cemetery but the Indians did. Really? So that cemetery is there. Okay. So, wow. No wonder you've got and so many visitors a, over there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there a lot of, there's another one, too, that's not as far away as that. It's only about three quarters of a mile from here. But the one behind us and the one across the street mm. are the, the two main attractions that people look at when they come here. Really? Have you ever have have you ever communicated with anybody who's buried in any of those graveyards? 
Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, and so have so have many of our guests. Really? I had a, uh, a woman, I guess, haunted ghost tours in October, and she went into the old, the, the new cemetery, and there's a sign, and nothing was happening. Everybody had their flashlights and everything going on. Okay. And uh, as soon as she stepped past the sign, there was um, a vortex. A vortex? And she filmed it. What? Yeah, she, fil- she filmed it. Wow. Yeah. Like a mini tornado heading down. And... <laughs> And what, and what, uh, I mean, how long did it last? I don't know. I just watched like a minute of it on her iPhone. So I I don't know how much longer it lasted, but they just stopped there. And I had a, uh, in the cemetery across the street, I had uh an experience where on Halloween we take people to the cemetery across the street at night and the one behind the house in the morning and I'm walking with all these people there are about not well not that many maybe about 12 of us and that day my husband said we need to get new batteries for all these flashlights mm-hmm. uh, he said we should have really good, good you know the equipment when you go out to a cemetery tonight. So he went out, he bought all the flashlights. Every uh, flashlight had brand new batteries. Okay. And we walked into a cemetery. I had a huge flashlight. I've got a great big one. Okay. And uh, as we walked across, every single flashlight died. Oh, my God. What are the chances of that? Not, not, not. Very good. <laughs> so we we walked through. I had the only flashlight that worked, uh, and um, I've never forgotten it. Ever, ever fight. All at once. One, two, three, out. <laughs> that is incredible. That is incredible. Cause that that. That right there, I mean, when things that have no connection and all of a sudden they all decide to stop working at the same time, that that right there is, yeah, yeah, that lets yep. you know that something absolutely was going on. Let me ask you that that graveyard, that cemetery that's behind the inn, was that part of? Was that just like I think you mentioned that was that was the town cemetery, or did that ever? Or was it? Did, did that predate it's the building? Cemetery number seventeen. Oh, okay. But cemetery number seventeen was when this this village was in the town of Groton. Then it moved to the town of Ledger, and now it's in the town of Preston. So Groton is a very, you know, it's a moderately sized town. So it very well could be the seventeen, but it's the first cemetery for this village. It's the only cemetery for this village prior to the late 1800s. 
and there are about 70 graves. Um, I think it's the most peaceful place on earth. I've just, I've been out there so many times. Okay. It's abandoned. It's not like mm-hmm. um, you walk into a cemetery and everything looks really, really great. It doesn't. Okay. And it's on a, a small cliff overlooking a stream. Okay. Really a peaceful place. And I imagine probably what a lot of the uh, carvings on these, that they can be deciphered on the, on the headstones because... That sounds like a lot of them have been there for a really uh, I would long time. say on about 25 to 30% of them. Okay. This is really, really old. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said before, the Avery's, the Gears, the Whipples, and there are others. <clears throat> if it was a sandstone, right. uh, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. If I... it was marble or granite it's going to be there so it depends on how rich the people were so when i said the the people in this village that are now uh the fathers of the village right they were more more wealthy and they're yes uh, yeah their headstones are still there right yeah Depends, like everything, you know, how deep were your pockets? Yeah, I've seen that. I've gone to some cemeteries where basically the writing's obliterated. It's nothing. And then there's others that are really sharp and crisp, even if they're 150 years old. And I know that it has to do with with the quality of yeah. uh, the stone that was used. And, of course, the better the quality, the more it costs. So. Some of the sandstone are somewhat readable, but it's because... They have uh, bent over, or they fell down, face down, so that the t- the back side eroded, but not the front side. Right. Yeah. It depends on the. Yeah. 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 And let me ask you, what because considering that it's an inn, was that road at one time was like what did they have like a stagecoach or any type of, um, you know, because a lot of times I know that they place these inns where a lot of traveling or travelers were going to come through there? Well, the Captain Grants was not an inn until I bought it. It had, it, Captain Grants was owned by a real captain, and he owned the property next door and the property across the street. But he was quite wealthy. Okay. Um, and that's what I took the name from. Now, okay. I understand. Uh, there was, they own another property called Sagecoach Inn, and that was a Sagecoach Inn. Okay, okay. I didn't know how yeah. far back, you know, when it had gone from being a home, you know, a family's home versus, or, you know, it had become uh, an inn of some type. Okay. Yeah, no, it, it, when <clears throat> these two sisters purchased the house, in the early 1900s, around the turn of the century. Mm-hmm. Their name was Taylor. One was getting married. The other one slept with her husband. Okay. And a war broke out throughout their entire life. They, neither one ever got married, and they tore the house in half. They what? They tried to. Are they, you kidding? Uh, 
they, they drilled uh, or drilled or cut a channel through the house. They tried to cut through the foundation. And somebody must have told them, if you do this, the house is going to collapse. So when I bought it, none of that was still repaired. So, oh, no. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was in really bad shape. <laughs> really bad shape. The zoning uh, board laughed when I said I wanted to make it a bed and breakfast. But that, all of that is why I think this is my destiny and why I want to be here. <laughs> Let me ask you, when they did, after they did that, that's incredible. Did they live there years afterwards like that? With a... Yes, until they died. Literally a divided house? Yeah, they never went anywhere else. Oh, wow. And they're buried across the street. <laughs> but Marlene, i got to tell you, my, my neck is hurting so bad right now from my experience last night. You know what? I don't know. Carol, you know what? It has been wonderful to have you on here. Do not worry about it. And you've been wonderful to even go ahead and uh, that you know, this interview has been fascinating, but um, let me ask you, what is your website for any of the people that are listening, that are going to listen to this on the podcast? What website can they go to, to find out more w- about w- the end? Yeah, okay. www.captaingrants.com. Okay. I'm going to put the link anyway on the show, but for anyone that's listening to it, this is where they can visit the, the, the site, get more information about everything, and uh, including, I imagine, making a reservation with you. Uh, again, yeah. Carol, thank yeah. you so much. You have been yeah. absolutely if wonderful. If you're ever in the Wayfarer, please come and stay with us. Absolutely. It sounds, like a, it's, it sounds like a fascinating place, I'm telling you. It sounds just, <laughs> what, on what you talked about, it sounds fascinating. But again, thank you so much, darling, and I hope you feel better, okay? Yeah, I, I, I'm hoping. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Thank yes. you so much, Marlene. No, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. I could have talked to her for a lot more, like I do all my guests, but yes. Uh, you can believe that she's lived there for so long that, um, and we talked about this. I said, you know, even before we started recording, I said, you know what? There's people, there's paranormal investigators that, you know, they'll go, even if they have access to, let's say, a location where they can go back and visit. But there's nothing, nothing, nothing that competes. Even a docent. We're here talking somebody that's lived at this location for almost 25 years. Okay. Because she even explained to me, she's, she lives on the second floor. She, in other words, she runs this business there and she lives there. And she even told me, like, at one point that she would be upstairs on the second floor office or, you know, well, not the office, but where she lives at. And that they would hear conversations downstairs. Loud enough that they could hear it. And she says at the beginning that they couldn't make out what they were saying. And they assumed that it was living people. And then it turns out, of course, when they would go downstairs, there's nobody there. And this happened enough times that they realized, okay, um... You know, that is part of, and I've heard that a lot, you know, whether you want to call it an active haunting or whether it's part of a residual, that part anyway, you know, the, the overheard conversations 
um, you know, a lot of people describe that world where they will hear that distant conversation. Um, like, and she even described that you could tell it was a man and a woman talking. But the same thing, I hear that a lot. But, but you can't actually make out exactly what's being said. Only that, that conversation. And of course, a lot of people do the exact same thing. The first few times that it happens, they think they're overhearing a real conversation. And then when they go looking for who's there, especially when nobody's supposed to be there, um, is when they realize there's nobody living. But in her case, you know, when you run uh, an inn, which that place is fascinating. She's got three small town cemeteries. So one of them that dates back basically to colonial times behind it. Um, and like I was saying, when you have lived there for this length of time, you can't help but have an insight that very few people have. And one of the things, I mean, obviously she wrote the book about it, but, you know, a lot of times we have these stories of people that are trapped in their homes or in their businesses, for example, if this type of business. And uh, once they find out they've got ghosts, it's like they, they're they desperate to get away. They don't, but they can financially. Sometimes they, they can't. And sometimes some of them even walk away from the houses and, you know, because they just can't resolve the spirit problem. But in this case, I think this is what's so refreshing about Carol's story. She has developed this very positive relationship and communication with the spirits that are there, which apparently from what she told me are quite a few, to the point that they're even told her when they're moving on and reincarnating. And that I think is fascinating because unfortunately, and I guess... Because we hear so many horror stories of, uh, you know, malevolent ghosts that terrorize, you know, homeowners or new business owners of an inn. And then they just don't know what to do when they're pulling their hair out. And he, she even said it, you know, I miss the spirit when she went on and reincarnated. I I had had a 20 year relationship with this spirit that now I miss her. And it's obvious that that she uh, has psychic and or mediumistic abilities based on what she said about uh, her experiences prior to coming here. You know, it wasn't like one of these people that is oblivious to the spirit world and then all of a sudden they walk into this. No, she's she had had all these experiences and something that's really important. She, at one point, lived in a house she had contact with a very negative entity that she was never able to source where it came from, but she didn't want to find out. And I guess my point being that <clears throat> it's not like, you know, every spirit to her was like, oh, what a wonderful day. You know, she already knew the difference between uh, having contact with either a good spirit or friendly, maybe one that was mm, one way or the other. You know, the kind, I call these the oblivious ones. They're, they're and then by this, I don't mean that they're residual, they're, they're intelligent, but at the same time, they exist in this moment of whatever it is that's binding them there. And they don't see the living that are there. They carry on with whatever it is that they're doing in that moment that they're stuck in. 
you got those, you know, they're not bad or good. They're just oblivious. And of course, they sometimes make noises or do things or you see them and you're like, you wig out, but they're totally unaware of you. And then you get the ones that are like, this is bad and I want to get away from this like right now. So she already had that prior experience. So when she got there, it wasn't like, oh, I don't know the difference between a friendly or benevolent spirit versus one that's nasty. No, she knew what the difference was. And like she, she, she was having experiences. She was a kid. Um, so it's, I, I, I'm telling you, I would love to go and spend a few days there because I mean, you can buy the book and, you know, she can tell you, she it is, she tells us, the book is basically about how from the moment she went into getting it and 20 something years worth of living there, you know, all the things and then her own endeavors into documenting stuff. Because there comes a point that, like I said it, you know, you as an individual can have a paranormal or supernatural encounter an event something you witness you feel and whether by choice or design you just don't record it or you don't have proof or there's nothing that you could produce that will say hey look this is look this is the proof of what I felt or saw or whatever but you if you're really honest with yourself you know what you witnessed especially if your standards are high so in other words there comes a shift that even if you couldn't produce proof, you know what you felt or you saw and you know that the origins of it are supernatural. And for you, there's a paradigm shift. And then later on, you you may, you may you know, you go into trying to capture evidence or trying to figure out why, like what she wants to know, like why is it that sometimes we don't see a ghost or a spirit with our eyes, but then we'll take a picture of it and it's captured on film. And in some instances, it's the other way around. You have people say, I know I saw something or I saw this. But then when they review, whether it's uh, a photograph or, you know, movie, any, you know, if they had a video thing recording, nothing is captured. Or audio, same thing with EVPs. You know, you'll capture stuff on EVP. But, you know, you're lucky if you don't catch anything anything else but anyway she she went the rounds of uh, of going the next step which is what happens when you you have the abilities and luckily that you have access to exploring the relationship with these uh, entities now we'll say one thing Carol sounds like a really smart lady because you know what in other shows I've always been really careful to caution people that are not ready for whatever reason. Like, hey, you know what? The spirit world and you should stay on parallel. Don't you know, you know, like the the Ghostbusters don't cross the streams. Believe it or not, there's people like that that they shouldn't. I mean, there's a lot of reasons I won't get into. But she sounds like a very down to earth person and she herself said it. Her her second husband, the one that's lived there with her, same thing. Okay, and my I guess my point is that she has a good grasp of what's happening and wanting to explain why and how and again, what can I say? I urge everybody to go and visit Carol at the Captain Grants Inn. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for viewing the video or listening to the podcast. 
Don't forget to subscribe so you can get notifications on when I release a new show. Also, my true believers, go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Hit to submit your uh, tab and let me hear about your true ghost stories, paranormal events, etc., etc., etc. Okay, and again, guys, thank you so very much for being part of my audience. You're all wonderful. Take care.